0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Catch new episodes of The O Show for free, available on all audio platforms including Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. For full video versions of the podcast, head on over to YouTube and StarWorldWideNetworks.com. The O Show is presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness is an inclusive, high-intensity fitness experience developed by the champ Floyd Money Mayweather himself. The best group boxing workout in the market, Mayweather Boxing and Fitness. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to the O Show podcast, episode 383, presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale, Arizona, in the heart of Scottsdale AZ. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness is an inclusive, high-intensity fitness experience developed by the champ, Floyd Money Mayweather himself. It's opening up later on this summer. Head on down to Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale, Arizona. Again, this is episode 383 of the podcast with our guest uh, via zoom right now via satellite i should say miss jessica abercrombie newly uh, ceo and founder of abercrombie agency how are you doing today jessica
1: doing wonderful thank you so much for having me on the show it's just so such a delight to be here with you
0: thank you so much so why the uh the the urge to start your own agency obviously a ton of experience over a decade experience worth in in pr marketing uh you know building your brand why why the uh inspiration to build your own agency now
1: Sure, sure. Great question. So, you know, I was actually in hospitality at the beginning of the pandemic. I was the director of comms with um, Global Hospitality uh, Company and had a terrific career trajectory going and then COVID hit like so many uh, folks, you know, who kind of had a bit of a change in their lifelong trajectory, whether that's professional, personal or collection of the both. Um, So with that, I took the opportunity. I I don't do terribly well with idle time, so I took the opportunity to see, okay, perhaps I can try my hand at, you know, contracting here, something there. And it just kind of flourished into a full-fledged agency, which I couldn't be more thrilled and, you know, sitting in a space of gratitude. um, But the impetus was really, truly just, okay, I've got these lemons. Let me try to make just some incredible lemonade if possible. (laughs) And truly couldn't be more grateful of what has come thus far.
0: Wow. And you went to Cronkite, right? At ASU? You're exactly correct, yep.
1: So I studied journalism. I actually had only one PR class, and I hated it. I thought it was stupid and ridiculous. I loved my journalism track. I had every intention to become an editor. And then I worked with publicists all the time, and I found that they storytell as well, which is the piece I was so drawn to on the editorial side. And I made the switch and have never turned back.
0: Wow. So what was your initial aspiration going into school at Cronkite?
1: You know, I, um, to this day, I still have a, a Vogue library in my house. So I've been reading Vogue's and collecting Vogue's ever since I was very little. Um, I always loved storytelling. I was an avid um, reader. I was the kid that, like, did not care about cartoons on Saturday morning. I, I like, cracked open a book and would be yeah. reading. Um, so I'm admittedly totally a nerd to this day. Um, definitely a bibliophile. But that's really what kind of inspired. I loved storytelling. And then as I got older, um, I really loved storytelling on behalf of other so I love being able to really kind of use my school, my uh, my uh, skills rather, and tools to be able to really kind of help others. So there's this beneficiary piece that was really fulfilling to me. Um, so I had my eyes set on Vogue. I was going to tell great stories on behalf of Vogue and be able to leverage that. So I went to New York. I was with Esquire magazine. Yep. So same storytelling just through the lens of um, kind of more male focused content, and then made the switch into PR
0: was it, you know, sports related or just naturally like anything entertainment wise? All of the above.
1: Yep. So it was sports, entertainment, culture, um, really, you know, fashion style. I was in the the fashion closet as well. So worked with tons of amazing athletes for their cover shoots. And it was so fun. It was really great stuff. Um, But again, even with that allure, I was kind of like, hmm, I feel like I want to do, I want to see what the publicists are doing.
0: (laughs) Right. 100%. So like what kind of, I mean, obviously four years at Cronkite, things change, you know, like your mind evolves, you want something different. What was it that kind of you know sparked your interest in other things? just like obviously developing your mind, growing your mind to do other things?
1: You're exactly correct, yeah, and I think for most of us, you know, once you experience something, you know, you touch, try, feel for yourself, your perception now is kind of a bit different, and or you have this more holistic view of something, so most of us, you know, when we're young, our vision is so narrow for what we think we want, given our experiences are narrow, it's totally normal, Um, so as you know, like most people, as I started experiencing more, I could kind of refine what it was that I wanted, and also being introduced to, oh, I didn't even know that could be a job, or I could do that full-time, it's Like when you're a kid, you're like, okay, do I want to be a lawyer or a cop or, you know, like your, your perception is still limited. So as I kind of moved through um, the professional space, I was able to hone and kind of refine what it is that I wanted.
0: So with what you're doing right now, obviously you've taken the past five to 10 years worth of experiences and now you're going to mold that into your own agency and, you know, providing, um, you know, stuff for, for clients or, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish what experiences have you taken away from, you know, whether it be public relations or marketing or branding into what you're trying to do now and what you're trying to accomplish now?
1: Sure. I love that. Such a thoughtful thoughtful inquiry. Um, you know, for me, it was really important to, I've always been very heartfelt and heart-led in everything I do. And there isn't always kind of a space for that, if you will, in this corporate infrastructure. So I have all agency background that I was in-house doing corporate communications and there isn't so much a space for that celebrated sadly. And so that was really kind of one of my key takeaways is this concept of, um, for me, you know, I've always been taught I was coach's daughter. Um, My dad was football coach, so I've always had this athlete mentality, this kind of altruism and everything that I do and seeing that there is this greater goal we're all working toward to achieve. But there's a lot of, you know, laying your heart on the line for things to achieve said goals. Um, And so that was something that I really wanted to kind of pull through, not only personally, but professionally as well. So that's something that with my company, you know, having this sense of heart-led, heartfelt, that is celebrated. It's not something that, you know, is looked down upon or is a weakness. It's really actually a strength and something in which we really infuse into all of our efforts on behalf of our clients. And in our way, that's how we're indeed making the world a better place. And that is really at the crux of our mission, which sounds kind of silly, right? It's like, okay, this one little person trying to make the world a better place, but that's where it starts. So that's really for us. You plant
0: one seed and then it grows, right? You're Exactly correct exactly what level did your uh, dad coach football
1: a collegiate level yep
0: wow yeah. So he, okay
1: yeah yeah he's uh, on the defensive side yep so he was defensive coordinator Would work you know special teams too a little bit and then would do kind of position coaching also what school uh so he was locally here in arizona and then he was also um he um Glendale Community College was where he was at most recently. Sorry, I had to jog my memory there.
0: Wow. I mean, obviously, growing up in a sports family, I heard that you were a LeBron James fanatic as well. Big, oh, big God, basketball yes. person.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, the, these finals have been hard on me. But story <laughs> of LeBron's life, it's like, I'm used to it now. I've been through this with him so many times that I'm like, okay, we lost another
0: championship. All right. right. Yeah. He's got. <laughs> what, he has four rings, right? I think he's doing yeah. all right.
1: Yeah, yeah. They're yep. still
0: the defending champions as of today, so... You still have that going for you
1: you're exactly correct yeah it's it's not easy being a LeBron fan but again I'm loyal to a fault so he I've been with LeBron since he was at St. Vincent St. Mary's in high school and it's really? been a long tenure it's my longest relationship yep
0: wow so that, that was always <laughs> the funny thing about you know either basketball at the college or NBA level as a fan people always followed players and not teams It took me forever to kind of figure that out. I grew up a giant baseball fan, growing up in New Jersey, a huge New York Yankee fan. And then I have all of these guys who are like wherever lebron went you know whether it be miami back to cleveland la it's just like you're just a bandwagoner right there were people who were like with uh kevin durant or russell westbrook or any one of these guys james harden you know it's like wherever they went you went and i never really Mm -hmm. understood that but i guess like the player and the brand too you know watching you know mma and ufc as well you know like you're, you're a fan of a person not necessarily a team
1: yeah, it's a really good point of differentiation, especially in athleticism, right? Because there's such this like team mentality in everything. So for um, fans to start following players, like I really think that evolved, you know, in like the Jordan era for basketball specifically, yeah. where like people started latching on to players individually and then to your point, following them around, which is which is so so different than some other sports. And given it's a team environment, it is surprising where you're like, wait, what? You're totally abandoning right. the team?
0: And you being, you know, Arizona through and through, I would think you'd be a Phoenix Suns fan and be excited about the NBA Finals this year, given it's like the first time since, what, 93 since they've been in it? And it looks like they could win it, you know, fingers crossed. They win tonight. They're up 3-1, but you never really know. But I'm kind of stunned that you're not, you know, excited about this as most Phoenix people are.
1: I know, even I'm stunned, or even I'm feeling guilty, but truly, I just am so loyal in my my allegiance to LeBron, and they took him out first round, so I'm like, okay, well, I I wish (laughs) them good, of course, I'm very happy for them, Um, and... Honestly, I think I'm the only person on the planet who doesn't care for Steve Kerr, but I did not like his general management decisions with the Suns when I was, you know, back in the day when I was really a diehard Suns fan before LeBron was even on the scene. Um, So ever since then, I just had like a sour taste in my mouth for the Suns, unfortunately. And admittedly, I think I'm literally the only person that doesn't
0: like Steve Kerr. (laughs) Wow. You might be right. He's a pretty stand up guy. He's still like he was he's a great coach and they give him credit for, you know, a roster that had Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and, you know, Andre Godal and all these guys that made the team who it was. But everybody still credited the head coach, which you rarely see in the NBA these days.
1: Totally. No, you're exactly correct. And he was brilliant. Don't get me wrong. I mean, what he's done with the Warriors franchise is, is really incredible. And he really has been a terrific head coach. As a general manager, I personally just have different feelings yeah. that he traded some players back in the Suns days that I just <laughs> did not align with. And ever since then, it was <laughs> I went a different direction.
0: Well, I'm glad we could confirm your basketball fandom because we found, obviously, we were talking before we went live about, you know, the, the team that you played for. We, I think we found your stats as well. Big Old Buckets was the name of the team. And one of our graphics guys made that, like, very quickly before we jumped on.
1: It's amazing. I love it so much. I know I, I was sharing with you earlier that I'm, like, a professional rec league player, yeah. which is not a title that anyone wants. Well
0: rec's so fun. Title. Like, obviously, <laughs> at, at this age, maybe not so much, but back in the day as a kid, like, I lived for rec baseball and rec basketball, oh. right?
1: Yeah, I love it. Even as an adult, I love it. It's, it's great when you're playing with other adults who are like, okay, I have a whole career. I know I'm not trying to be a professional athlete, but, like, we're all super competitive and still want to play.
0: Yeah, 100%. Do we have her stats? We found those, right? Hank and Zach. We want to pull those up real quick. I don't know what if they were good or bad, but obviously the rec and I don't
1: remember, so go ahead. Embarrass me if it is. No problem.
0: We'll see if we can pull that up. But yeah, rec days, like, to me, I still have like all my old rec home run baseballs somewhere lodged underneath my bed in my home in New Jersey. Because it well, was how just like... Play? I was uh, <laughs> in rec everything. Everything. Right. I mean, when I, I got older.
1: Age.
0: I mean, that, that, was the, that was the best part about rec. You could be anything you want. Nobody really cares. Like, the competition isn't as fierce as anything else. Right. Yeah, that's here we great. go. Here we go. There you go. So do you want to elaborate on these stats? Is this, oh, man. Is this good or bad? Again, I'm a baseball are, guy. Yeah,
1: these are subpar at best. This was, like, not a great season. But that's okay. That's all right. <laughs> I'll give myself a pass.
0: What, What site is this? If this is a rec league, how can we find your stats?
1: So this is, yeah, I'm actually surprised those are still public. But this is, so LA Sportsnet is, like, the biggest rec league in all of Los Angeles. Yeah. So it's it's super fun. It's really great. But it's pretty high-caliber level of play, I will say, in my own defense. Um, but that said, they, they post all of their stats. They keep everything public information. It's great. But that just, like, enhances the level of competitiveness because truly, like, we can all be traded or things of that nature. It just kind of, you know, amplifies that type of environment where you're like, oh, my gosh, look at that player. Look what they did. Okay, yeah. I need to beat their stats. That's where are
0: they at so it's awesome it, it's more of a competitive rec league for people who want to compete which is yes. awesome so how how often does you know sports intertwine with what you're doing right now with your agency when it comes to like brands and clients you know coming to you and wanting to accomplish what they want to accomplish
1: Sure. You know, day to day, it's really all of the time, like the internal piece in terms of being able to identify who is an athlete and who wasn't. It is abundantly obvious upon just like one connection point. You can tell like, okay, I know their mentality by way of knowing that they were an athlete or not. And or if they were a single sport player or if they played multiple sports. And then on top of that, if they were a single athlete or a team athlete. So that in the day to day, like that, uh, truly, I'm so grateful for the lessons I learned through athletics and then overall too those with whom I work I find that mentality of an athlete is just a little different than the average person Um, so that's really kind of day to day and then by way of my clients you know we are specializing in the luxury space so athletes entertainment that is all playing in the same circle of luxury being able to really kind of tap into that influential market Um, so fortunately I personally have had the opportunity to work with um, quite a few athletes which is always really just you know kind of personally gratifying for me Um, and then on behalf of our clients really ensuring that we're aligning with um, you know athletes and kind of influencers within their own rights within the athletic space um, ensuring that our our clients kind of have the opportunity to leverage that through their brand um, portfolios as well.
0: And you know how to connect with your clients because, you know, sports aside, working in PR and and marketing for as many years as you have, like you pick up on things. You know how people, not necessarily how people's brains work, but you know how, like which way they're going. Like when they come to you with a specific project or what they want to do, you're able to pick up on things and be like, okay, here's where their mindset is. Here's what we're able to accomplish.
1: Totally. Yep. It's so synonymous. I mean, what you're doing on the field or court, when you're doing that in a professional setting, I mean, a lot of it really translates, right? And to your point, there's this kind of like um, psyche around what we do, especially in PR and marketing, given where our job is to influence people, our job is to influence consumers. So it's very important to really kind of have this analytical side but infused with the psychology and psychosis of just humans and how do you connect with them how do you kind of you know uh, ingratiate yourselves to them to get the goal that you're after and kind of playing that delicate dance but same same as it is on the on the field or on the court as well
0: so what has your experience been like again learning public relations because it has completely changed probably since from where you started at cronkite early days you know at esquire moving to new york for a few months to now in 2021, it's a completely different ball game, right? I'm totally. gonna as as assume.
1: Yeah, no, you're exactly correct. It absolutely is. The industry has involved, evolved rather quite a bit. Uh, two big kind of moments, I think, in the industry was the inception and introduction of influencers. So, this concept of social, someone having social influence, and then that relaying into conversion and being a real kind of business tactic to drive revenue, lead generation, things that would be of importance to our clients. Um, so, that was kind of a big critical piece that continues to evolve, right? It's really kind of now its own sub industry, if you will. Um, so that was a big differentiator. I mean, influencers wasn't even th- a thing when I was studying this discipline. And then another critical piece was really the shift in media. So as you know, given the space in which you work as well, there's you know all this paid opportunity that wasn't out there before or just wasn't a part of kind of the um, systematic uh, makeup of ex respective kind of media outlet. It was always there, but just not at the forefront. Um, but given the consumer landscape changing with media, so much being digital, loss of a lot of print, um that you know calls the opportunity up for additional revenue streams so now publicists aren't just fighting against other publicists we're fighting against marketers too which our agency is also marketers, so we kind of have the opportunity to blend those two things but that was another big kind of shift in the industry um that has been very um challenging to navigate but we always love a good challenge
0: What was like the number one source of, you know, revenue when it came to entertainment, whether it was like blogs or, you know, obviously television, because podcasts weren't huge 10 years ago. They were around, but they weren't necessarily the number one thing like they are now.
1: Right. Yeah, the mediums have shifted so much, right? Like, television was huge. So was radio. I mean, like, 10 years ago, television was still creme de la creme, top of the pile. Radio, before that, was like, that was its heyday, um, and those have kind of trickled out. You know, everyone's cord-cutting, No one. everyone's streaming, uh, and now folks, you know, instead of listening to traditional radio, they're listening to podcasts, to your points, and the mediums have really shifted. Um, but we're looking at a lot, of, a lot of new mediums, such as podcasts, and really looking at opportunities in that space to your point kind of the more um brand owned content so for example a blog things of that nature um it's really interesting too though but forever in a day i think endorsements will still be bread and butter especially within the entertainment space
0: was uh abercrombie agency something that you had planned for a long time or was it something just kind of off the cuff like it's time to work for myself i've taken all of these experiences now i know what to do with them
1: Absolutely the latter. I would love to say that I had this beautiful business plan, two-year, five-year, absolutely not, no.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I've kind of been flying by the suit of my pants, but to your point with all of the kind of um, you know interesting just experiences and then learnings gleaned throughout the duration of my career to this point, um, and it's, it's really, I, I was just telling a girlfriend of mine, I was like, being a CEO really isn't as hard as it seems. I mean, right. you, th- you have this like built-up kind of idea of what that is, and it's, it's really not that difficult. It takes a high level of commitment, but in terms of executing, it's really not too far out of, I think, anyone's wheelhouse, really.
0: I mean, you really just got to organize your schedule at the end of the day, right?
1: Yes, you Are- have to be... Mm -hmm.
0: Are there like specific ways that you do that, you know, balancing out your time in order to accomplish everything that you have on your plate? Because there's probably a ton of stuff, whether it be clients or just daily things that you got to do to take care of yourself, too
1: it's endless so that's the that is the one drawback about seeing being a ceo or just being at the helm of any you know kind of entity is you don't have a day off there is no time where you can truly be off because at the end of the day the buck stops at you right yep. so you, even with their it's your, your associates and employees whether it's with your clients in my space media and marketers um there's there's just no day off so to your point i have to be very judicious and mindful of my own boundaries within myself to say like okay I have to set this time aside for yoga or the things that recenter me and then honoring that. And that is probably one of the most difficult things because when you're so passionate about what you're doing, it's so easy to get lost in it and not be able to kind of pull yourself
0: back out. Oh, I'm 100%. Like whether it be fitness, eating right, you know, some of those like core things that kind of keep you going mentally. Like for me, it's like, An hour in the gym in the morning, if I don't get that, it's kind of like someone with, like, their morning coffee. I feel like Mm. that's, like, the most generic way to get that analogy across. But, like, if someone doesn't have their morning coffee, they, you know, the rest of their day is just off-balanced, off-center, right? So
1: true, yeah. And I think it's so easy, especially in my field. I'm sure yours as well, where you because it's 24 seven, you feel like you always have to be on and it's, it's hard to turn it off, especially to your point when you care about it so much, but it's like, you have to center yourself with, with your coffee, with your hour
0: in the gym, right. whatever exactly. it is. Totally agree. So what was like your number one dream or goal aspiration when it came to whether it be writing out of school or, you know, developing into PR or marketing or what you're trying to accomplish with the agency now? Like what was your big why, uh, back in the day before, you know, things kind of evolved?
1: Yeah, you know, um... As a kid, I didn't have as much kind of control over things as I wanted. I also felt like I was voiceless at times when I really wanted to have a voice. And then as I kind of, you know, grew into my career, um, you know, I found there were many times that as a female being, especially when I was in the corporate space, in male-dominated spaces, you know, I also kind of had those um, feelings kind of arise again of like, man, I really feel like I don't have much control over this situation. Wow, I really feel like I don't have a voice. And it was really important to me to really kind of infuse that into my company and make sure that in, again, in my way, I could change the world and be able to create that space for people, whether it be for my associates or for the clients with whom we work, the brands with whom we work, and then really ensuring that, um, you know, by way of my agency, I could align myself and my team respectively against clients who... um, really reflected our, our mission and our ethos as, as an agency, and then being selective and discerning about the clients with whom we work to make sure we're not furthering any mission that we don't personally feel passionate about.
0: What was like the biggest um, lesson you learned from either a mistake you made or something that just like did not benefit you or anything that you were doing uh, personally, professionally? Like, What was the biggest lesson you think you've learned that you've taken into account when starting this agency?
1: Mm -hmm. I love that. You know, one lesson my dad instilled in me from being very little and having that team mentality, right, coming from a coach's perspective is to not be above anything. So to always have humility in everything that I do. Um, And I really have found that that has served me quite well and also gives so much added value to what you're bringing to the table professionally when someone finds you to be indispensable because you yourself view yourself as indispensable. I mean, that just really tees you up for success and kind of any trajectory, think any of us would like to follow but it all comes back to that sense of humility and being able to say you know what i'm not above anything at any level and i think um, my team resonates with that a whole lot that while i have this title of ceo i'm not above anything i'm right there right. with them happy to be by their side and that mentality i think has been quite helpful
0: did you have this mentality from the beginning or were there moments that kind of taught you like this is how it's got to be because if it's not i'm just going to drive myself insane
1: Mm, Good question. Um, No, I've always kind of been that way. I think the areas where I've scraped my knees in times past is actually just um, not having the confidence. So so kind of like you know, when you're going between two things and you choose the wrong one, but like in your gut, you knew it was the other thing. Right. Um, that's something that I think, but I think that's something very common, especially with professional women. We, we question ourselves a lot um, and want to make sure we're always doing the not just the right thing, but the perfect thing. Um, so I think once I started kind of taking that um, sense of perfectionism out of everything I'm doing and really standing and owning my confidence in what I can do, that was really helpful. And that's when it's like, you take it to the next level, which is really common with athletes. Too.
0: It's like oh, yeah. you're
1: your own worst enemy, critic, barrier, and once you remove that, it's like sky's the limit.
0: I mean, at the same time, like I feel like the biggest uh, issue people have with themselves is putting way too much pressure on themselves to succeed. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're a CEO, you're a founder now. You have employees, you have clients to deal with. I feel like that pressure can both be a good thing and a bad thing. How do, how do you balance that type of pressure now that you know you're dealing with all of this stuff? Mm-hmm. Super thoughtful
1: question. Again, you're great. Um, you know, I really just try to make sure that through my associates, I'm being really mindful of their health and happiness. That's really been helpful for me to know and have the confidence around. Okay, I'm doing the absolute best I can to make sure that this incredible group of women is empowered and they're celebrated. And that that at the end of the day makes me feel really fulfilled. Yeah. Um, so that kind of removes a little bit of that sense of, because um, to your point, there is a lot of pressure. I mean, these are people's livelihoods. These are, you know, I'm, I'm literally supplying these people with the, the funds by which they can live their life. Like there's a lot of pressure around that. But, you know, when something, if we have a business snafu, that doesn't just impact me, that goes well beyond me and residually impacts my associates as well. But knowing that I have kind of teed them up to be, um, in that space of empowerment and in that space of, um, their own confidence, I think is what kind of helps me take a little bit of the pressure off because I think about, okay, well in a sticky situation, they will have the tools they need and that's the best I can do.
0: I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to hire the best employees that can take care of themselves. And at the same time, know if they need to come to you, they will.
1: Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And it's like, Oh my gosh, it's so worth it. We, we were hiring for this one role literally for six months, but it, we just recently filled the position. The gal we hired is incredible. And it's like dating. Like you don't you, you don't just like date for cheap love, you know what I mean? Like you want to go after the person that's really going to be, um, you know, powerful. And that's right. exactly the caliber we kind of pull through at our agency as well.
0: So what's like the biggest, uh, you know, I guess project per se that you'd want to work on uh, with the new agency, with your team?
1: Sure. So we, one of our clients is moving forth with a campaign that celebrates science, which sounds like kind of silly, but when you unpack it, you're like, oh my God, that's so powerful. Yeah. That's incredible. So it's essentially kind of the get out the vote campaign, but through the lens of science. So really just empowering the nation to lean into kind of this notion of fact driven. You know, uh, narratives that can really kind of celebrate the wins of science, especially against the backdrop of the pandemic and COVID, right. and really being mindful around what that looks like. So that's been a terrific campaign to work on things of that nature, where we really have the opportunity to, in a big way, drive social change. Like, oh my gosh, you can't pay me enough to make me excited about that.
0: Wow, I mean, that would be very interesting. And obviously, you take into factor all the other interests that you probably have, whether it be sports or or things like that nature like you got to be pumped about some of the possibilities that could be in your future because you never really know who's going to walk through that door and ask for help
1: mm-hmm, you're exactly correct yeah and with that campaign i mean we blindly pitched michelle obama and Jessica yeah. alba and ariana huffington and they were like yes tell me more this is great and so that's where you're like oh my gosh this is like i'm on a campaign that michelle obama has interest in like what in what world yeah. this is amazing
0: was there any specific person? I mean, you mentioned Michelle Obama. But was there any specific person that you'd like to work with?
1: I think you know the answer to
0: that. Yeah. It's LeBron LBJ? James, hands
1: down. <laughs> LBJ, hands down.
0: Do you day. think you can make that happen? And if so, hypothetically, what, would you, what do you think he'd come to you for?
1: Oh gosh, I no, he needs a bigger fish than me, I know he does um, I, I would just, oh gosh, I could be on like any, I would be on, on his daughter Zuri's campaign and I would be happy, like I wouldn't care, just to be, I would, I would work for Savannah, his wife, and be like so happy um, but no, I think the intersectionality of PR and sports is so important in how athletes use their kind of um, influence and power for you know, good or bad, whatever direction so that yeah. would be like, if I was LeBron, in another life if I was LeBron's publicist, I think I would just end my life, like the happiest person ever
0: I mean you'd want to power through though and get through that right like you'd want to be able to be his publicist for like a decade right oh for
1: sure yeah like a tenured publicist with LeBron James would be just amazing yeah and
0: that would only grow your brand more I mean that's like one of the highest paid people in all of America it's like him and Conor McGregor like one and two right truly yep Mm mm-hmm So the last thing I want to leave you with, I don't want to take too much of your time, but what's like the number one mission and vision you have with Abercrombie Agency? What you want to, again, tell the people, tell the audience listening to the show of what you guys are about and what you're trying to uh, accomplish at the end of the day and what you're willing to provide for people?
1: Sure, sure. So, you know, given we're a company that was founded in the pandemic, I think if we can really kind of instill the sense of, again, I know I mentioned empowerment, but truly the sense of empowerment for anyone, whatever your vision is, whatever your mission is, like step outside that sense of security, step outside the kind of hierarchies that we all live in that just feel comfortable and and, and truly believe in yourself, lean into yourself and explore that. And it's not going to be perfect. It's going to be, you know, w- with scrapes on your knees, it's going to be with tears and blood and all those kinds of things. But that's living, right? That's right. life that gets you out of your sense of security and into a space of continued growth, with a, which I think all of us can really benefit from and enjoy. And that's really what we would love to just impart in the world you know, really that sense of empowerment and working with brands and, you know, anyone that's out there listening, being able to just understand that, you can literally do anything you want. You can change the world any way you would like to, whatever impact you want to have. Um, but that's entirely possible, even even in a pandemic when the whole world is not open to that.
0: Right. <laughs> and everyone was put on this planet to be different. You know, everybody's got different DNA. Everybody's got different goals, ambitions. You know, niches. You know, everything. Everybody's got something different about them, and you got to bring that to the table as opposed to you know, shying away from it and hiding it, sweeping it under the rug, which some people mm-hmm. do at a young age. You, you learn later on in life. Like that's, that's your superpower. That's what's going to get you to where you want to be.
1: I love that. That's your superpower. Yep. You said it so poignantly. I love that.
0: Well, Jessica, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, hopefully one day we can meet up. We could, you know, collaborate on some stuff. Uh, this was episode 383 of the podcast. We are presented by Mayweather Boxing and Fitness in Scottsdale, Arizona. Be on the lookout for them. Get your membership now, opening up this summer. Uh, Jessica, thanks again. This was episode 383. Thanks for watching. Thank you so
1: much.